Hello and welcome to the Hotel Marketing Show. In this podcast, we're going to talk about all things hotel marketing. We're going to talk about things that are happening in the industry, insights, things that all hotel marketers or anybody that has an interest in hotel marketing wants to know about. My name is Victoria. And I'm Nadine. And we're the hosts of the Hotel Marketing Show. To kick off the podcast today, in this episode, we're going to be talking with Rebecca, Manager of Revenue and Business Performance at Hotel Akura, about demystifying the role of revenue managers. So excited to have you here, Rebecca. Thank you for joining us. I'm very excited for this recording and this episode and also the topic because... I need some demystifying about revenue management as well. Could you let us know a little bit about your background? Yeah, just to kick things off. Yeah, I am German, as you might hear from my accent. And as I just mentioned, you like to interview Germans, right? Even if they live in the Netherlands. Yeah. (laughs) I'm here for almost three years now, actually. Good lockdown years, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. but... uh, I feel you. (laughs) Not the best time for moving here, but now it's getting better. Now, I'm working in hospitality for 15 years now, so longer than I would have thought when preparing this podcast. And out of the 15 years, I worked eight years in revenue management and business development. So that makes me quite experienced in that field. However, I also worked in operational departments, so I know that a little bit as well. And I have the benefit that I've worked for both chain and independent hotels. So there's quite a difference in working for the two. And uh, yeah, <laughs> as you as you know, as you have experienced before, I'm quite passionate about my job. So that makes me an expert, I think. And also earlier this year, I was certified as a certified revenue management executive by HSMI, just to prove or just to show that I have quite some experience in that field already. So congratulations, first of all, for that. And was there an exam involved? Yes, it was. (laughs) They do, like, (laughs) stunned. (laughs) (laughs) Revenue exam. Oh, that's so cool. Rebecca is a total revenue management expert, and I think it's super exciting to you know, this episode will talk about revenue management, but I think it's so exciting to understand how that also relates to other things that are going on in the hotel and maybe dive, I think you're the perfect person to dive into more about the role and maybe a bit of the day of the life of a, of a revenue manager as well. So very excited to have you here with us. Thanks. <laughs> and can you share what your highlight for 2022 is? Well, certainly after two years of lockdown that we finally, or more or less lockdowns, that we finally could work normally again, that we could welcome guests normally again, that we saw a huge increase in rates, right? People were willing to spend, there was pent up demand, revenge travel, everybody just wanted to travel finally. So we could benefit from that, not only us, but most hotels, right? We saw quite steep increases in ADR, which helped us also with the steep increases in many costs. So that was certainly a plus that all of a sudden the rates increased by 30, 40% sometimes. That's that's huge. Wow, that's a big jump. Yeah. <laughs> and we hope we can keep it. Rebecca is crossing her fingers. <laughs> I do. I also saw you guys had so many great, well, you always had actually great offers during the pandemic. I know that you tried to make the best out of the situation, but now also, let's say, I'm going to say it after the pandemic, I can just see the great offers you also have, culinary offers as well. So I guess it's going for room nights and the events being back and being able to organize more gatherings. So that's nice to see. We have four quite popular restaurants, right? That helped us also during the lockdowns because people still wanted to eat. And at, at some points they could only eat if they were a hotel guest or they could only eat in the room. 
So that was a big driver for us that we have these four restaurants, exceptional restaurants that helped us also for the rooms part. Yeah. I am a big follower. I actually am part of the newsletter. I follow on Instagram everywhere. And I saw the other day you had this great event, this like, like the champagne one, right? With, 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 with. Yeah, exactly. With like a little boat cruise as well. And I'm like, ah, look at that. That's Nadine's awesome. trying to get brownie points. Yes, like in this. absolutely. <laughs> that's how I know her in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> that, that song's it up. <laughs> that's just me. Oh, so funny. <laughs> Nice. Okay, besides all the things you do, could you tell us a little bit, how did you actually get into revenue management? So we've heard you came from chain hotels, individual hospitality. How did you end up here now with us? Well, I think quite a typical, as many would say, way. I worked in reservations before. So I was reservations manager about eight years ago. And the current revenue director was looking for an assistant mm -hmm. and it was just the logical step. I mean, I was never good at math or statistics or these kind of things that people often relate to revenue management, right? But trying to understand the, the reasoning behind the rates, mm -hmm. the structure that you know from reservations, but actually implementing them and making strategic decisions, that was super interesting to me. So it was just a logical step and I have not regretted it. I actually have to say exactly what you said. Everyone thinks about revenue management as math, and that's exactly the thing that pops in my mind. I hear revenue management, I'm like, oh no, math. <laughs> I did not have good grades in math, no worries. <laughs> so to anyone listening who also wants to become a revenue manager and is scared because of the math aspect, you already alleviated that. You, you have to have a certain <laughs> affinity with numbers, otherwise it will get difficult. <laughs> And can you tell us a little bit about what a typical kind of day in the life of a revenue manager looks like? As most hotel jobs, I think there is no typical day, right? Same for me. However, there is some fixed things that I do every day. Like in the morning, you would start with your reporting, right? What happened since yesterday? What new reservations did you get or cancellations? Hopefully not, but it can happen as well. What is happening on the market in terms of pricing? Like, is your comset hotels, are they increasing the rates, decreasing the rates? Do you maybe have to follow or not? That depends, of course, on, on your own analysis, on your own situation. But that would sum up the morning where I then check if I have to make any price changes, if you should change any restrictions. That's for, that's for the transient part. Then, of course, Okura is a big uh, groups and mice property, so we have a lot of requests coming in. So we have to find the right mix also between different departments. And defining that is a big part for us. What prices should we offer to these groups so they make sense? How can we optimize our business mix, right? Because if we sell a group with 300 rooms to a rooms-only group, but then our whole banketing floor is empty, that doesn't make sense for us. Next to that, I take care of the distribution and the channel management. So make sure online that you see everywhere the correct rates, that there's also parity, of course, that uh, we do not show different rates on different channels, but we try to make sure that we have the same everywhere. That is quite important. Next to that, I mean, as I said, there can be a lot of things in a day. <laughs> yeah, already, I'm like, is it lunchtime? <laughs> Where are we? Yeah. Well, I'm a typical revenue manager, so I do lunch at my desk very often. Oh. Unfortunately. No, not unfortunately. It's my own choice. I think you're passionate about revenue management, that I could definitely tell already. Oh, yes. <laughs> Forecasting and budgeting is, of course, a big part, because if we do not know what is going to happen next month, next year, how should we make the right decisions? So that is quite important. And then there comes the, the cooperation with sales marketing in because if we see that a month is not going well, we have to discuss promotions, right? Or we have to discuss our strategy. Maybe we have to make changes. 
And we try to make all of these decisions based on data. That is a big part of my job as well, right? Yeah. I want to support the other departments in making the decision based on data, right? And not so much on gut feeling or this is how we always did it because things change all the time. So that is important for me as well to, to support the other departments with the numbers that, that we have in revenue management. And last but not least, I also host meetings, like the most important would be a monthly business focus meeting where we really look into detail with the whole commercial department and also some other department heads on the current situation and also on the future situation. So we all know where we're heading to and what we have to do, what we want to do, and that we are aligned in our efforts. I think that is quite important. Awesome. So good. I think you dived into it a little bit already in terms of there's a lot that you do that kind of also merges with the other departments, right? You mentioned sales, you mentioned marketing and also focusing the efforts there to kind of streamline decisions or strategies for what's coming up. Could you take us along a little bit more of what that working together looks like? Yeah, I think for us, it is key that we have a commercial director who brings together all the commercial efforts. You sometimes had that in the past to have it still that all the different commercial department heads report into the GM, right? However, in our case, we do have the commercial director in between who gathers all the information and makes sure that we are aligned. And I think that is key. Also important that we all look at the same data. That is something that, that we are facing every now and then. Somebody's looking at data pack A and somebody else data pack B, and then we come to different conclusions, right? So we try to look at the same data. So just recently, we have implemented a business intelligence tool that helps us all in the commercial department and not only, but for us all to look at the same data. We can also drill deeper. Then we, of course, have regular meetings with the commercial department heads. Just yesterday, actually, we had a big commercial meeting with the whole team where we discuss our goals for next year, our strategies, our budget, so that everybody is aware, right? Otherwise, you get the situation that sales is maybe pushing for occupancy. Well, that might not be our goal. So that is quite important that everybody is on the same track and everybody goes into the same direction. And you have to talk for that. That's so interesting. And I think that direction across the different teams. So does that come, first of all, from management and then through the commercial director? And then as teams you are then working together to define your goals or is it that one one team will say this is what we want to do and then the other teams make their goals based on that how does that goal setting work across those departments so how we do it is that first of all the hotel goals are defined right and those are mostly defined by the management team with the help of the department heads and from that everything breaks down so we have the hotel goals on top and then we break it down to our commercial goals not all of the hotel goals can be supported by the commercial team, but a big majority, of course. So we look at the, the hotel goals that are influenced by us. And then from that, we make our commercial goals. And then from that, everybody gets their, their personal goals as well, their smart goals for the year. Cool. That sounds Very super fair. efficient. It is. And it makes really sure that we all look at the yeah. same yeah. goal. Yeah, because I can imagine in some cases, like you mentioned, you know, you have different departments and every department has kind of their own goal even if it's just internally where you feel like i as a department want to achieve this but then if you're not aligned with your other departments you catch yourself down the road and you guys are just doing different efforts for different things and then ultimately it doesn't come together at the top and you can miss information if you only look at your department right if i only look at my numbers i might forget some personal relationships or whatever mm -hmm. that, that are also important so we have to take all the the input from the different departments to really come to a good decision. 
and we also have to be critical to each other. It's not about just saying, yes, you're always right, but we support each other by, by being critical. So if somebody says, but I do want to have this group, then why? What, what is the benefit? What do we gain from it? If it's not maybe a profitable group, but maybe there will be a recurring business afterwards. So we have to, to look at the broader picture and not just at our little department, but at the whole. That's really cool. Yeah. I love the idea of like, yeah, a positive challenge with the other teams to make sure that you're all, like, I guess, doing better and like keeping working towards the goals as well. Reminds me a little bit of Victoria because every time you tell her something, she's like, but why? And then you <laughs> continue and then she's like, but why? And I'm like, I just told you the why. And she's like, dig deeper. <laughs> and that helps you, right? If yeah. you get these questions because you have to rethink what, what you were planning or what you were strategizing. Because I'm more or less on my own in my department. So sometimes I might go into one direction. But if I do not get these critical questions, I might forget another point of view, which can just be as relevant. Yeah, and also saying like being alone in the department, for example, if you have your viewpoint and you just keep going without, like you said, having someone else who questions or positively questions, mm -hmm. you don't get the chance to actually rethink why you're doing it. Because I think sometimes everyone gets stuck in like processes or like you mentioned before, well, that's the way I've always done it. And then, you know, you stop questioning yourself. Yeah, I read this book. This is going on a bit of a tangent, but I read, read this book. Actually, it was an audiobook. I half read it and then I switched <laughs> to the audio version because I stopped reading it. But it's called Radical Candor. Have you heard of that before? Yeah, so it's this whole kind of management style where it talks about the, being radically candid. So you are honest in your feedback, but the intention has to be that you're wanting to help the other person be better and like work towards their goals. So the idea is that instead of being like, oh, that's a really great idea, Nadine, and it's actually a terrible idea, it but you're, it doesn't help her. <laughs> so the idea is that you build a sense of trust in your relationship where I can say to Nadine, actually, that's not the best idea you've ever had. Like maybe we need to rethink this, but let me help you. But then she also, can give me that feedback back. So it's not ever just like a one-way thing. It's like, we're gonna work together, be honest, and build a sense of trust between each other so that we can share feedback and both get better at the same time. So it kind of sounds like that's what you guys are doing like in your departments as well. Cause I guess you're also dependent on other teams for reaching your goals as well, right? So it's yeah. also not only our point of view from a commercial, but we also have to take the operations into, into consideration. If operations cannot handle it, then we will have disappointed guests, right? Yeah, that's so true. I think, so Nadine and I were both customer success managers in a previous life here at Hotel Champ. And <laughs> the number of times where we would be talking with a marketer who's putting together like free welcome drink on arrival like voucher and having to remind them like hey make sure that you actually talk to the team about how you're going to make this happen like we can't just we don't want you just to put it out there and then it cause all this problem later on but how important that communication between teams is for even the guest experience at the end of the day as well like, yeah, otherwise the guests will be more disappointed right you think you make a great package the guests will be happy but everything goes wrong in the end well, you do not win anything from that. So it is key and communication is always, I think, a tricky part. We are quite a big hotel, so we have to make sure everybody is informed when we, when we build something new. I love the topic of communication, actually. So it's really, really nice to hear how you guys do that with the communication at Okura. 
to see that everyone is aligned and works together. I think we can always do better, right? That's uh, also critical to myself, yeah. but only being critical to others. Yeah. Yeah. There's always room for improvement, how, how you can even better that uh, communication. Yeah. That's really nice. And I really liked also what you said about having like almost one source of truth for the data as well. So you're all, that's not going to be causing like extra complications as well. Like you're all able to look at one thing and know this is the story, like this is the picture rather than, I don't know, marketing coming with some other numbers, sales with some other numbers. So I think that's a really practical way of even getting on the same page. Everyone pulling their own reports to the... Well, that's how it is often, right? The marketing pulls this report and revenue pulls that report. But now we have one single source of truth and this is what we're looking at. Everybody has the access. We all look at that tool. So we all work with the same data. That, That is key, I believe. Yeah, that's awesome. You mentioned at the beginning your biggest highlight of 2022 was, again, the increasing ADR, seeing the demand come back, the traveling come back. That's definitely a big opportunity at the moment. Could you let us know a little bit more about, well, first of all, your opportunities, what you see in the market right now for hotels in general, but maybe also some of the challenges. Now in Amsterdam, we are into low season. Well, not so much different from Germany, but still. (laughs) Um, So we see many hotels reacting with dropping their rates again, which is a pity because we went up so far. And it's sad to see that, that some hotels are starting to drop the rates again. So that is a challenge because you cannot create additional demand, right? With, with dropping the rate, you might get one or two room nights extra that would usually book maybe a four-star hotel, but will that help you in the long run? I highly doubt it, to be honest. So that is a, a challenge at the moment that we see. We see also some hesitation with, with bookers still when it comes to guaranteeing, like when it comes to cancellation terms, they are still afraid that whatever restrictions or changes in the situation might come. While in the past, long cancellation terms were not so much of an issue. This is now questions a lot. Everybody wants a force majeure in their in their contract these days. That puts more risks on our shoulders as, as the hotel, right? The, the client does not want to take that much risk anymore. Mm. So that stays a challenge. I remember on our podcast episode with Taya mm-hmm. from Metrics Driven, she said that with a free cancellation rate, like she doesn't even count that as a booking like she just counts that as a lead until the stay has even happened it's so interesting yeah it's like I guess that kind of changes the way that you see bookings coming in as well and I do understand it from a personal point of view right because we all experienced the last two and a half years where the situation changed over and over again hopefully we are behind that now so I do see that also as an opportunity that we go back to normal in a way right yeah and another challenge that we have is, of course, and you talked about it a lot in, in the podcast as well as staffing, many people left the industry. And I don't think you want to talk about this anymore, me neither. You see new people coming in often with less experience. So that is something where we have a lot of training to do to get these people up to speed. Many people just coming new from school or switching industries. So that is both a challenge and an opportunity because these people can also bring new ideas mm. right if somebody comes from a different industry and said we always did it like that maybe this is also a possibility for for hospitality so both a bit of a challenge and an opportunity yeah that's really nice we actually recorded an episode with dylan from Revenate, and he's worked at Revenate for 10 years and even still like he's worked with hotels then for like 10 years but he was even saying like oh i don't have a hotel background and so it's like interesting that I think maybe it's, I don't know, too much of a prediction, but seeing like 
people from other industries coming into the hotel industry I feel like that you know typically it's like you go through hotel school you go through a hospitality route or something but coming from another industry and coming in I feel like it kind of is a bit of a shift in like opening up to a wider kind of group of people as well it's really interesting still 50% of hotel school graduates do not stay in hospitality right that is terrible for the industry i mean these people chose at some point to work in a hotel but after their studies they decide to go somewhere else so we have to bring these people into hospitality because they chose this path for a reason they did <laughs> well technically i You're stayed in hospitality yeah, sure. i just a little bit on the sidelines maybe with hospitality but yeah change of topic <laughs> <laughs> I see this will not be part of the <laughs> <laughs> Victoria likes to leave these kind oh, of things in there. Like It'll make a great la- little clip for LinkedIn or something. Laughs and giggles. <laughs> but no, I completely agree. I think it's kind of twofold, right? On one hand, it's really nice to have diverse people coming in from different industries, from different backgrounds, who kind of, again, ask the questions, but why are we doing it this way? Because maybe they had experience with doing it differently and it translates really well into hospitality. And then on the other hand, you have the people who started off in hospitality and are now searching for opportunities where maybe, I don't want to say more stable, but maybe more reassurance that nothing is going to happen like this again to them in their career. So I actually had quite an interesting chat because I did go back to my university uh, just a couple of weeks ago and was talking with someone who basically said that also the demand is going drastically down for this kind of degree because a lot of let's say people who maybe had the passion for hospitality they you know they're like 17 18 and they talk to their parents and they're like oh, are you sure right now hospitality mm. so yeah i hope i hope that it gets a little levels out of it levels out a little bit more But I don't want to totally disregard your comment about staff shortages. (laughs) I know it's not the nicest thing, but how do you think, let's say, technology can help in that kind of way? I think technology should enable your team, should enable your staff. You should not think about technology replacing any staff, but it does help us. So if I talk about a UBI tool, for example, it does take a lot of time of my plate because it can do reports for me that I in the past would do manually. Mm -hmm. So if I have my my reports automatically scheduled and I have them ready in the morning, then I don't have to do that anymore and can take more time to make strategic decisions. And I think there's sometimes the fear in hospitality that there's just a cost involved with additional technology because you cannot put an ROI behind it. You cannot calculate ROI 100% with, with this cost. However, if it frees up so much time for your staff, so your staff can concentrate on the things that that bring in the money, that bring in the revenue, that they have time for for making strategic decisions instead of manual reporting, then I think you win so much and the ROI is given 100%. This also relates to the conversation we had with Dylan, right, from Revenue, because he mentioned things like pre-arrival emails, you know, like a lot of people have questions before they arrive and then they call and then the receptionists are really busy because they just keep answering the same questions over and over again to think about how can we actually solve the problem before the problem comes up and send maybe a more detailed email before the guests arrive. And in your case, you know, how can we not do manual (laughs) reporting but help with the help of technology actually free up some time for you to do other things 
that then translate into like a monetary value. Yeah, I think also like I liked what you said about how the tools can free up time because I think often we hear the perception of like or new tool, I don't have the time to set this up or I don't have the time to use it. So I think it is maybe there is like a time investment at the start, but then like the payoff or like the benefit later on of having, you know, invested in that tool, I think you can, you know, there's so many benefits to that as well. I think one misconception is also that people think they they pay the money and they have nothing else to do. But I feel it's a two-way road, right? If Mm -hmm. I do not bring any input, then how should my technology provider help me to improve my business? If he doesn't know that something is maybe not working for me or we have a different strategy now and we have to change the setup. If we do not give that feedback to our providers, they cannot help us. So that is important for us whenever we choose a vendor, a provider, supplier, that we also bring our input. So we like this, we do not like this. How can we make this better? So that, that we have an open communication there as well. I love that. And I think like the choosing the right partner, they'll also like want to hear that feedback and want to make stuff better, you know, for their customers or for their partners as well. So I think that's such a good point, like having that relationship where you can give like the two-way feedback, I think is such a powerful extension of your team, not just like another to-do on your on your list. I feel like we always come back to like communication, you know, again, providers are like partners. You just have to also challenge them both directions in order to actually succeed in a relationship. Exactly. Also critical questions. I agree. You have to have critical questions to your vendors just as, as to your, your colleagues or your team members, because otherwise you cannot improve that relationship as well. Yeah. So nice. And so I think you've shared like a couple of things of what you hope to see in the future, but what do you think the future holds for the hotel industry from both a short term and a long term of view overall i'm also optimistic (laughs) i love the phrasing of the question so we heard what you hope for but now realistically what do you think is gonna happen i think there is some trends that that we saw coming up over the last years one is certainly to look more and more for the profitability aspect and not only the revenue aspect also with the increase of prices mentioned that quickly before so we often would look at the business Um, Maybe they bring us great banketing revenue, but they do want to stay during a big congress in Amsterdam. However, they expect lower prices for the the rooms. Doesn't make sense for us looking at the profitability view. Doesn't make sense for us to take that group. And then the decision can be no, even though there would be great banketing revenue attached to it. However, the displacement in rooms, which has a higher profitability typically, um, would be so high that, that we make the decision no, it does not make sense for us to take that piece of business. So I think looking at profitability has, has become a big topic and it will stay a big topic. What we also see is of course that segments get more blurry, right? People do not only travel for business or leisure, but they combine it. So if somebody comes for a conference, they might stay one or two days afterwards to enjoy Amsterdam or somebody has has, uh, a city trip plan, but works from there. So that makes it in a way more tricky for us to target these people because you cannot put them into either the business or the leisure drawer. Do you say that in English? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Nischublade. Yeah, Nischublade. (laughs) I know you like the German things. Yeah, I love these little German snippets. What we also saw this year and what I'm sure will stay is that expectations have risen together with the rates. If somebody pays more, then usually also the expectations are higher. 
and not all hotels could always fulfill them because staff shortage, etc. So that will stay a focus for us. If we want to keep these rate levels, we also have to make sure that the quality stays on, on the same level. So that will be a focus in the next years as well. I think that's a really good point. I mean, talking about traveler expectations as well, I feel like now we've all had two years to kind of dream up our dream scenario of what it will be like when we go for that trip. So now once the guest actually arrives at your hotel, there's a lot of, yeah, big shoes to fill right of like actually giving them that dream vacation especially if you're a hotel with a higher rate where they come for that experience where they come for that luxury that they want to experience so yeah we do make strategic decisions there and mm -hmm. i'm sure we're not the only ones that maybe we're not going for the 100 occupancy but we go for 80 occupancy with a higher adr and we make sure that the guests are happy because putting in the additional 20%, maybe the staff is not being able to handle it. So in the end, we will not benefit from it. So looking at the broader picture, I think that is what the last two and a half years have taught all of us, how we can take more departments and more views into consideration. While you talk about the others, and like the others being the competition, of course, how do you manage to combine all of this. So challenges, opportunities, and now you also have the third factor, your competition. You said, especially here, well, not especially, but for example, hotels in Amsterdam have been lowering their prices now that demand goes down. So how do you kind of stay ahead of the competition? I think one of the most important things is staying agile, staying dynamic, only because something was right yesterday, it will not be right tomorrow. So we have to question ourselves over and over and over again until it can be painful. And actually, I mean, the two years also were perfect for us to learn how to be agile because all of a sudden you had to, you had to, you had to find creative solutions for problems that before you didn't even know could actually exist. I mean, I think in some terms we saw great offers in general across like the market. I'm waiting for you to say staycations. Oh, I was just about to say staycation. Mm -hmm. uh, staycations are actually one of my favorite things that came from all of this because I think it was such a creative approach to say, how can we actually still have guests in our hotel? How can we still get this, give this experience to guests without them actually leaving their own city? So I think that's, I hope it stays. Staycations for the stay. Did you book a staycation at Akura? <laughs> I did go for dinner though. I'm I'm eating myself through the restaurants. So, and I think that's also important that you look at what is your differentiator, what makes you different from all the other hotels. If everybody offers us vacation, that's kind of boring, right? But mm -hmm. what is different in your property? So, talking about Telokura, we have a quite a high building. So, I would say from our hotel, you have one of the best views of Amsterdam. So, that is something that we work with. The bar is amazing. The bar on the 23rd the bar, floor. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can't really beat that. And I don't think you have anything like that in Amsterdam. And here, it's also my perfect point again to collect some more brownie points. But I have to say the offers that you guys do, especially combining all the restaurants and having not just not again, just in like little feet. What is it called? Not like quotation marks. quotation marks and little feet. Um, not just, but you basically have so many events around different experiences more than just culinary but it's yeah you do so much with it and i think one thing that we like talk about to our our partners and our customers quite a lot as well is not just always 
feeling like the discount is going to be the thing that entices people to stay but thinking about like a value add and potentially it's even something that generates more revenue for the hotel as well so I think that's something that's really interesting about the kind of packages that you create as well as it's not always it was not just like 50% off come and stay with us it's actually like a well thought out package that is value add it is unique it is like really special so I think that's really cool as well Rebecca is just sitting here like, keep it coming with the coffee. <laughs> I'm glad I did this. <laughs> well, not only me, let's be honest. <laughs> it's a team effort. Yeah. No, of course, I think. But those are some of the great things that you guys have been doing in the pandemic. And I guess also something hoping you want to keep doing in the future. Am I right? If we're looking into the future. Certainly. Certainly. As mentioned, we have a specific mice business and that is mostly during the week. But for the weekends, we do target the leisure travelers and they are looking for these packages. And I'm sure they will be looking for these packages. That is not a trend that will go. So everybody wants to make a great experience out of their stay. They do not just want to have, how do you always say, a bed in the toilet and an espresso machine? Oh my God, an espresso machine. An espresso machine. Yeah. <laughs> an espresso no, machine. I, no. <laughs> I didn't prepare for this podcast. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so they, they do want to experience something special. And that is what, what we do want to offer to them. And that's what we are selling i think it's also really clever as well like the package point of view because i think like well as a marketer like i often think about making stuff as easy as possible for your customers to make a decision so that they're not having to do like all of this work of figuring something out and i think a package is a really nice way to be like we've done all the hard work for you and here's something that's really special you just have to click here and it's all done you don't have to sort out like getting the extra i don't know booking the table at the restaurant or where are you going to eat dinner like we've done the hard work for you so i think even that simplifying decision making for your guests i think is a really smart approach as well and still we try to offer additional services in a second booking step because both of you, if you book the same package, you might have different expectations. So maybe you want to arrive early because you are flying in. So you can add that in a second booking step. So we also want to make sure that the guests still can personalize their stay with what is important to them. So we do not necessarily try to put as many inclusions as possible into one package, but make like a basic. Like a foundational package. Exactly. And then you add the services that you also need on top of it. Of course, you can also just take the package mm-hmm. and you have everything you need. That might be fine. But maybe you have extra needs. Maybe you do want to take the bikes to go through Amsterdam. Maybe you do need an early check-in because you fly in. So these possibilities we always want to give to our guests as well. I love that. Yeah. Late checkout because you want to sleep in. Victoria arrives early. The dean checks out late. <laughs> exactly. So if you would include both in the package from the get-go, it would only increase the price and you might not even need it. True. So that's how, how we try to find the balance between a good package and good set of inclusions, but also having the possibility to personalize to your needs. Awesome. What are your three main takeaways for hoteliers who listen to this episode? It is important to stay agile. It is important to criticize yourself and others in a positive way. It is important to to stay connected in the industry, to know what is happening, what is the new trends. Maybe there is new technology that can support you. And a lot has happened, of course, in the last two and a half years. So stay on top of, of the market and all the possibilities and talk to your peers and see what they are doing, not to copy them, 
but to get new ideas. So I think that is, is very important. Make sure your commercial team is aligned in their efforts so they're working together and not against each other. Make sure to get the right technology for your property. Not every technology is right for every hotel. That is, that is not the point, but the technology that can enable your teams to use their time more wisely, to work more strategically instead of reporting, for example, or answering to the same guest questions over and over again. Awesome. I think those are really great key takeaways from everything you've covered today. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today, Rebecca. I think it was such a great conversation. And I think, well, I feel like the role of a revenue manager has been demystified for me. Yep, I agree. So you're all ready to... Uh... I'm not ready to take the exam quite yet. <laughs> 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 but I'll make sure to book in a session with you if it ever comes this far. If I ever do a little career switch and want to go into revenue management. I'll be happy to have you guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Maybe we could go be like an intern for a day or something uh, with a yeah. and uh, learn more from it. I am used to having interns, so I'm happy to, to share my knowledge <laughs> and my passion. Nice. I love it. And for those of you listening at home, please share your thoughts with us. If you think there's anything else that we've missed or if you have any questions about any of the topics that we've covered today, please get in touch with us at welcome at hotelchamp.com. And make sure to follow Hotel Champ on all of your favorite social media channels. Stay tuned for more episodes in the future. Take care of yourself. Have a great day and bye-bye. Bye-bye.